who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll see what they show up for and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast, a very ill-sounding podcast this week because we're pretty much all ill. You've joined us today. I mean, if you're in for a treat, if you like listening to three bunged up boys, then have I got a treat for you because with me this week, Jesse Gomez. Hello. (laughs) You sound good. Who sounds worse? I don't know. Matt, how are you sounding? Um... Not particularly great. <laughs> I've, uh, do you know what? You, you sound a lot better than you did a few days ago. Well, yeah, so. a few days ago, I literally couldn't do the VO for a massive six-page script that I have been slaving away on. So it's not my <laughs> voice on this labour of love that I made. Oh, no. Yeah, I had that with a video that went out yesterday that probably could have done with a couple of pickups, but my voice would have sounded like a different person if I'd done the pickups <laughs> to when I originally recorded that video. So I just left it. Um, Matt, I know me and you are particularly buoyant this week because Monkey Island's back. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So, so. Yeah. I've, I've reinstalled... It's not in the running order, but I thought we'd mention it. Yeah, I've reinstalled the original games. I'm gonna gonna replay them through over the next couple of mm-hmm. weeks. I'm I'm so stoked. That's my plan too. Yeah, I I hovered over the Steam page today. I was like, I'm gonna download those tonight, and I'm gonna get stuck in because I like the first one. I kind of I know that one off by heart. I think I could do that pretty much without looking anything up. Two though, I am a bit rusty on, so I feel like oh, that I'm could the be other a way around. Challenge. I know really? two oh. really really well because two two and. It's like between LeChuck's Revenge and Curse that are kind of tied for my favourite in that series. So mm-hmm. I know those pretty much off by heart now. I've played them so many times. One, I've probably only played about three times, so I'm quite Ooh. rusty. I can't even remember. I was talking the other day to someone. I was like, I can't remember what happens in the middle of that game. Distinctly remember the opening stuff on Melee Island and this stuff mm-hmm. on Monkey Island. 
cannot for the life of me remember what happens in the middle of well, that. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You'll, you'll have me. a great time. Have you ever played Monkey Island, Jesse? I've no, not really. Like I might have played like a couple minutes of the first game, but I know uh, my partner's a humongous fan of the Monkey Island games. However, is is this new one? Um, is, is it Return to Monkey Island? Is that it? Mm-hmm. Is this a direct sequel to like all of those games, or is it only a sequel to one of them? To like, the second one. Oh, so the others so are like it's, not. It's canon? Takes place after. I think he said they're still canon. He's just he's not ignoring them. He doesn't well, want to just pretend they never I, happened, but also. He's not going to reference them, so. Well, I mean, technically he is. So I think the idea is it's more of like a requel setup, right? Isn't right. it? That like he never got to make Monkey Island three because kind of like mm-hmm. Ron Gilbert and Grossman and technically Schaefer was on the on the original as well, but he's not involved in this one. Um, they didn't get to make Monkey Island three, so this is them making the Monkey Island three they would have made. But they have stolen Murray, who only comes in in Monkey Island three, who is Absolutely. a sentient talking skull. Right, so is this the, Get is, so with the first two uh, Monkey Island games? Are those the ones that people love, and all the rest are sort of like uh, now people are really excited about this new I, one? I I like the next two quite a lot. Like uh, like Matt said, Curse. That's the that's the third one. What used to be the third one in the canon? Like that one's yeah. fantastic. Um, four. I still have a soft spot for Escape from Monkey Island. That's the three D one, the first three D one. I really liked it as a kid. I re- kind of recognise now it's not as strong, but it definitely has some great moments. The ending is the poor, though, the back end of Escape from Monkey Island is quite bad. Right, okay. I was wondering yeah. if it was one of those things where it's like, all those other games that we made in the early 2000s aren't great, so let's just ignore those. And, nah, you know. they're, they're still worth playing, I think. Mm. They're still enjoyable. They they always kept the spirit of it, which I enjoyed. They're always still yeah. quite funny. So, yeah, they're definitely, you know, for me anyway, some of the best games you'll ever play. So Fair enough. If you haven't played Monkey Island, now's the time to get on it, because we've got a new one coming. Anyway, that wasn't even on the running order. The first thing I was going to address was actually something quite troubling, um, which took place on Twitter.com yesterday. Jesse, you made a statement about <laughs> Smarties. Would you like to share this with the group? I don't think it's as controversial as some people are making out to me. To be fair, I, I was think watching, it is. I was watching Ted Lasso. Um, I'm on season two of Ted Lasso, and my partner had bought me a Smarties Easter egg. <laughs> uh, okay, well that's nice. That's a nice start to the story. Yeah, it's a nice start to the story. And I was just, you know, eating them, and then I just thought it would be funny just to, you know, ponder the question online: like Smarties are they the best chocolate in the UK? Knowing full well they're not, you know, the majoritive answer would be no. But I just really like mm-hmm. Smarties. They, they remind me of my childhood. I think that's like my childhood chocolate. I know they don't hold okay, a candle to okay. many other chocolates, but I just wanted to put it out there. So maybe that's the way you should uh, position that question, and are they the most nostalgic chocolate? Because just claim it, are they the best? Come on. You know in your heart that any Cadbury's is better than a Smiley. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to see the reaction, and I knew it would make okay. me laugh. And so far, it's 200, 233 votes with 90.6% no, 9.4%. That's a land, yes. That is a landslide. Oh, I'm God. hoping that the is, yeah. official Smarties Twitter account gets involved as well. And oh, this I can is those results, mate. thing that you're doing. <laughs> this is you trying to get the friendly broski like, up there in the echelons of Nestle. Nestle, but very mind a company that wouldn't pull their products away from Russia. <laughs> oh, no. And you should have sorted this out before the poll, because they're going to click once that poll and go, 90, what, 90.6%? <laughs> We're not getting involved in this. Um, it's just funny. Anyway, I'm glad we cleared the air of that because it was troubling. 
Uh, why don't we talk about some actual games and films and stuff? Because that's probably it's probably what people want to hear. I don't know. They've probably turned off by now because we sound like absolute death. But um, <laughs> first up, let's talk about the Quarry, which is the new game from Supermassive Games. It's their spiritual successor to Until Dawn. It was revealed a couple of weeks ago with a teaser trailer. But I have been lucky enough to visit the studio and play the first three hours of the game, which is a good chunk of it. It's about I think they estimate around a 10-hour playthrough, so similar to Until Dawn. It's much longer. It's a much more full experience than any of the Dark Pictures games, which, to be honest, have never quite clicked with me, though. And I think part of that is, in a game like this where it's all about getting to know the characters and making decisions about them, you're barely given any time to know these characters before you you get to choose if they die or not. So I think Uh, this is why Until Dawn and now The Quarry work so much better yeah i think i think that was one of the main things with until dawn is that you know such a fun love letter to horror and most importantly i think supermassive had the time and money to do it well whilst the dark pictures anthology Mm -hmm. didn't really have any of that and until dawn shows how they're capable of making a good horror game and Mm -hmm. it seems the quarry can it seems like it's going to be like that especially from your preview as well just like seems gameplays too Exactly. From the first three hours, I I had a great time of it. It reminded me a lot of Until Dawn. Mm. And I think a lot of people bemoan the fact that these are just, in quotation marks, interactive movies. But this is exactly what they're going for. They're making no bones about it. If this is not your sort of thing, it's not, it's not your sort of thing. They They have a love for this sort of thing, and that's what they're trying to do. And I think for horror, it's like the perfect genre for something like that, because you can put your, like, those decisions. Like, whenever you play a horror film, I mean, a lot of people like, you know, why are you going down there? What are you doing? Oh, like, yeah. Well, you can now make that decision and not go down there and not do that. And you'll probably still die. But yeah, the kind of, if you don't know the setup for the quarry, if you haven't heard about it, it's very, it's very similar to Until Dawn. It's riffing off of that teen horror of nine counselors at a summer camp. It's the last day of camp. All the kids have gone home. But then something happens, which means they have to stay one more night at camp. And then you've got David Arquette as the owner of the camp, Mr. Hackett, who kind of warns them. He's like, like, well, you're going to have to stay here one more night. You were supposed to leave, but whatever you do, do not leave the lodge tonight. And, and basically, do. that's the setup for the game. <laughs> and then there's obviously, yeah, they decide we're going to have one big blowout party and then <laughs> things might start going wrong because it's a horror game. Um, but yeah, I had a great time because it kind of, it has what, the dark pictures games don't have for me which is it has its tongue in its cheek like it's it's playing off of that teen horror that scream vibe of you know these things are ridiculous like people are gonna make like jokes with like witty one-liners whereas i think the dark pictures kind of takes itself a bit too seriously which isn't really what i want yeah like i feel like you have to do your horror very well to be taken very seriously something like the witch or something like there's no tongue in cheek in that you have to really commit whereas yeah, never quite worked for me in Dark Pictures, whereas The Quarry, I'm very excited to play the mm. rest of. I'm, I'd love to know, like, how, just from what you've played, how have the QTEs sort of changed in terms of, you know, thinking mm-hmm. of Until Dawn, where it was like, they seemed really, really reliant on it. Like, how does it, how, like, how has the gameplay changed? Is it a bit more tough or is the it a bit more play- lenient? I'd say that if anything, it's more lenient, but you can kind of tailor it as much as you want yeah. to how familiar you are with games i mean it's very similar in styles of gameplay they are qtes but now like they're not 
face button presses. They're actual just flicks of the analog stick. So if you're not oh, okay. someone who's familiar with a game controller, you can kind of, you know, you know, you can just flick a direction yeah, yeah, of the yeah. stick. That's easy enough to grasp. You can even just switch it into full movie mode, which is a really cool option, I think, which basically just turns it into a movie. So you can basically predetermine each of the nine playable characters attitudes at the start of the game there's like four different sliders and toggles like they can be compassionate or they can be a bit more like standoffish they can be so you could turn everyone into idiots and they'll all die exactly watch it exactly there's also there is a mode where you can just click to watch where it just says everyone dies and you can just watch the most (laughs) gore-filled death-filled version of the plot i love that you know it's it's a fun way to go like so they also said, you know, obviously, take it to a pinch of salt, 186 different ending variations, which doesn't mean there's 106 different endings. It just means, you know, the formula works out that there's three or four probably different endings for each character and the different combinations. Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. You know, there's 100. So there's a lot There's a lot to get into in this game. And yeah, I'm just, I just really had a great time. The cast is really good. Like, they've followed on from... Until dawn of having that mixture of like well-known people and up-and-comers, like back mm. then, Rami Malek was—he wasn't unknown. He was still—he was in stuff, but you know, he was—you yeah. know—he wasn't a Bond villain or winning Oscars. But like, so who knows? In this cast, could be someone popping through. But um, w- when when you were playing as well, because I think from like the first teaser or first trailer, like the game seemed a little bit just mm. choppy in that mechanical sense. Like when you were playing, was did it feel fine? Did it play fine? Yeah, it feels fine. It, it feels like. I mean, if you've played Until Dawn, it feels exactly like that. You've got periods where you're walking around, exploring, picking up items, kind of just investigating the more clues you get. Obviously, you'll be more informed as to what's going on in this place. Mm. And then, yeah, it'll go into conversation scenes where you'll have choices to make. There's obviously big choices where, you know, there'll be like a VHS rewind effect and it'll say path chosen. Yeah. And that'll be like a big decision you've made. There'll be small ones where on the side of the screen it'll just be like this, you know, telltale style, this character remembers you being rude to them or something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. there's a lot of that. It's very much that that rhythm of explore, conversation, choice, maybe a bit of action. When I say action, it's very loose. You can even turn action like combat off completely if you want, but it's just like aim a very broad like beam of a flashlight uh, as a gun. So like it's very much they want everyone to play this game. I think it's yeah. not gonna. It's not like a challenging game. It's, no, no. Like I, we I, said, it's it's an interactive movie, and you know, that un- unapologet- uh, unapologetically, it's that as well. So yeah. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to. It. I feel like, like you said, Dark Picture didn't quite have like you know the time and the just budget to it, and this seems like it does. And I'm just really looking forward to playing after watching your preview and stuff. It seems mm-hmm. sick. Exactly. Check out my yeah. Check out my preview yesterday if, if you want some more in detail thoughts. We've also got so we're covering it for IGN first this month. We've got exclusive stuff. We've got three more weeks of content. I think four more drops. I know Matt, you've got a couple coming on the way as well where we, mm-hmm. we delve more into some of the systems and how branching narratives work and stuff like that. So yeah, if you're interested in that, stay tuned to IGN.com. Uh, next up. Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, is finally out. I feel like I've been talking about this game for ages. I saw it at... I think it was announced, was it announced at E3 2019. That's where I saw it, anyway, for the first time. And mm. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm, I've started playing it. It's maybe not quite hit those expectations for me yet. Um, but I know, Jesse, you've played a lot more of this game than me. How much have you played? I've played 
naturally through episode one, two, and three first. You know, which is unsurprising <laughs> I, to anyone. To be, I've done. I've done it that way too. Okay. I started okay. with episode one. <laughs> right, because I can imagine if Dale was here, he'll be shitting on the fact that I did that. Um, I but, just went chronological because I thought yeah. you know start with some bad stuff have some good stuff and then go back to the bad stuff. <laughs> I wanted to unlock Darth Maul and General Grievous first, and I've done that, so I'm a happy boy. Um, but, yeah, I'm, when it comes to the Skywalker saga, it's good fun, but I don't think it's living up to the heights that I maybe thought it would be, because for the Skywalker mm-hmm. saga itself, it's, you know, compared to the earlier LEGO games, it's undergone a bit of a reinvention you know they've changed how combat works how movement and the perspective because you used to play with a sort of top-down view and now it's the more typical um you know over the shoulder all of these changes now like yeah like a third person action yeah yeah like what you're more used to in a game isn't it yeah yeah yeah, typically but i'm i'm not sure it's it's a weird one i think overall it's you know it's a very easy game to play it's you know it's essentially a a children's game (laughs) and stuff but um I think my problem with the Skywalker saga comes from what you're actually doing while playing. There's a lot of transitioning from mm-hmm. hub to hub, having to, you know, at times slowly follow NPCs as they waffle on and stuff. And the objectives, after a while, they're a little bit repetitive. Um, I think that's where my mm-hmm. core issue is. But outside of that, I think Traveller Tales have done like a really good job of just recreating Star Wars in a beautiful way. I think, you know, the game looks fantastic and the mix of lego blocks with these like super highly detailed environments it's just you know really cool and mad but yeah i just i feel like there could have been a bit more thought into mm-hmm. how you're what you're doing when you're playing the game itself so yeah i i was having a similar thing so i've only played through episode one i did that last night and i had a similar thought which was like oh like this is a clear you know like they love star wars you yeah know? And, and it is bringing out that kind of kid in me it's like oh I remember loving the original Lego Star Wars games and obviously loving Star Wars. And there is a lot of Star Wars love in this. But yeah, I was surprised how basic and at times dull the gameplay was in episode (laughs) one, where it was like, like, some of the levels were literally just go to Coruscant, talk to someone, fly back. That was the whole level. And I was like, what? Like, there was no actual, like... Because even like the original, all the other Lego games, the levels themselves are quite lengthy. They're not like you know, like one shot and done. Like some of them can last like half an hour and there's like some puzzles going on. There's combat bits, there's boss fights. Some of the levels in this game are like three minutes long. You're just like, like one of the levels is just go to what's the, um, what's the Gungan city called? You'll probably know that, won't you? Oh no. Um, <laughs> I know what you're talking about though, but it's that it's level li- there where you start it and you're, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You literally go there, walk along some walkways, talk to, um, boss Nass. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's the level done. Yeah. Like it's, it's so bizarre. And I feel like a lot of, maybe there's other, some of the other films have more interesting sections, but I also feel like where a lot of the fun for this game is going to come out for me is during the free play areas. Once I've actually just, actually, I'm just going to gun it through all the stories, basically yeah. all the films and then go back. And actually I look, there's like, I don't know, I've signed like 1100 collectible Kyber bricks or yeah, something, yeah. which are the upgradable things. It's like, I feel like that's where the fun is going to go be in going back and solving all those puzzles I couldn't when I didn't have the characters to do so because the actual level to level gameplay I found was surprisingly poor. <laughs> I think that's what they, they sort of want you to focus on is that, you know, from the level to level gameplay, just going back to the Gungan city where you start at it and you basically just have to run to the end and then you finish the mission by mm. talking to someone. I think they want you to sort of just explore 
find those kyber crystals whilst you're doing it maybe do a few side quests at the same time but it's nothing's like pushing me to do that because like no. with the upgrades as well once you've get once you've you know upgraded a few certain abilities then a certain like early game annoyances have basically just been eradicated and then i haven't really found the need to upgrade anymore like there's mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It's it's, yeah. it's an. Odd I feel game. like once I've unlocked characters and gone back, that's where the fun is because it's that typical thing of a Lego game, which is how I always used to play them anyway. Which is just kind of just blaze it through the story, then go back and see everything because the amount of puzzles you walk up to and they're like they have like I don't know like an imperial symbol next to them. It's like oh well I don't yeah, have a character yeah, yeah. for this yet. So what's the point? Yeah. Like, I'm just still good. I feel like there's still a lot of fun to be had in this game, and I'm gonna have it once in a weird way once I've finished it is where mm. I'm going to have the fun um, because I probably will just stick some podcasts on and platinum this game because I like platinum Lego games because they're just fun collectible yeah. rides really so I, yeah I think- and like you said just they did do I think the Darth Maul fight quite well is what I will say yeah. I did quite enjoy that yeah that, that that is fun like don't don't get me wrong it's, it's a fun game and I think honestly for me the best part of the release of the Skywalker saga is just that everyone seems just to be having fun with Star Wars again. When you're playing the game, there's like, you, you're not having any of the silly drama of, you know, previous Star Wars films in your head. It's just making you smile and laugh because mm-hmm. of how they've adapted the Star Wars films you like and even maybe hate. So just fit that Lego humor. And it's just a very funny and just chill game to play. I, I feel like it could exactly. have benefited it's maybe nice just from like even being able to do co-op with your mate and stuff because it's got couch co-op but if it had a bit of online as well you could be laughing through it too no lego game yeah it's never had online co-op it is still mad that they never added this for this like i don't know i mean it's nice that they have couch co-op at least they're one of the few games that have that still but i feel like we could have had some multiplayer on this as well yeah I don't know. I feel like we're down there. There's still there's a lot to enjoy, but from what I played, I was like, I was surprised at how basic it was, even compared to other Lego games, which mm. have had more involved mechanics. Maybe you know, like I said, I may have done episode one. Maybe you know, maybe Return of the Jedi is a really difficult roguelike platformer. I don't think it will be, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, Matthew, you haven't played any Lego Star Wars yet, have you? No, um, I. You know, not to be to continue the downer on. I don't really like the Lego games. Sorry. So, well, yes, yeah, because you're not be playing old Lego man. Star Wars. <laughs> it's because what you've been doing is watching Sonic Two because you are a miserable old man. I don't know where I was going with that. You make me sound like you've been watching it every day. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch it, Matt? And did you tell all your friends you're gonna you're gonna go fast? You gotta go and see it now. Uh, not in the slightest. No. There was, so, I've been ill for a long time. There was a minor moment where I wasn't ill and I went to see Sonic 2. Um, oh, what a highlight. <laughs> Everything yeah, went, went downhill to- <laughs> after Sonic 2. I <laughs> uh, went to see Sonic 2 in order to facilitate IGN's coverage of Sonic 2. You'll be able to see a lovely interview with Jim Carrey I did if you go to like the YouTube channel. Um, and we've got I mean, an- that's a treat to talk to Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, that was that was nice. And I did say it was like, it was, I didn't tell him what my favourite role of his is because it's probably not anybody else's, which is Count Olaf in a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the number 23 or something. <laughs> really bizarre. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and I got to chat to like the director and, and uh, Kalina Shaughnessy, who is Tails. So we've done... There's some, mm-hmm. some nice videos you can go and watch on IGN. Uh, what I didn't say to any of them is I didn't like the film. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the first person I've heard who, who watched this and didn't think it was 
like better than the first and didn't like no so it. i do what, think what, it's what better it for you? i do think it's better oh, okay. than the first like and i think it's actually like genuinely like miles better than the first i still don't like it um <laughs> so my big issue with the first one is it's basically it's basically hop which was like a 2011 film starring <laughs> james masters who hanging out with a cartoon bunny rabbit change the bunny rabbit that was who, who voiced the bunny rabbit i'm just gonna have a who who even remembers that was film? It russell, russell brand uh, russell I brand remember that film. that's not what you want was was the voice of the rabbit in there <clears throat> change that cg rabbit for sonic the hedgehog and that's all that film was i don't understand why it was a sonic film it's just like quirky cg character is in mod is in our world doing random crap um this one actually is a sonic film i will give it that like it by bringing okay. sonic and tails and knuckles into it and you know obviously also has dr robotnik in it there is much more time spent with the characters that you actually have paid your money to go and see no one i i don't know if there's i mean people obviously do care about the human elements of these films because the first Sonic did really well enough to be able to get a sequel greenlit and made in two years under pandemic conditions. Like that's how good the first one clearly did. Good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, um, but this one, like, like the human characters are pushed a little bit more to the side and quite a lot of it is kind of like an adventure with Sonic and Tails kind of working their way across, you know, weirdly the real world rather than their world, which is much more interesting. Um, and effectively trying to come up with something to help them stop Robotnik. It's got much more commonality with kind of the elements of the games, like the the emeralds are a part of this mm. film, you know, which are obviously a big part of the games. Um, you've mm-hmm. got more, a few more of the kind of like mechanics of the games that are actually kind of like portrayed as thing like so for example everybody knows because it's been in the trailers that like the tornado biplane is in this and a set piece of the film is kind of riffing on that set piece from sonic 2 is that probably i'm i'm not very good at kind of like the where everything is in the sonic timeline (laughs) but then obviously kind of knuckles is a big part of it and knuckles as he was in the original game tricked by robotnik to be a villain in this film uh voiced by idris elba weirdly like i don't know what they would do with it is knuckles supposed to be sexy like canonically sexy in this film i don't know i mean i'm not gonna look at anyone in an odd way if they find him sexy i mean you know (laughs) go for it you know i mean it was his performance just like in the back of your mind like just off put in sort of because i think ben schwartz actually does a voice for sonic it like even though there is a di- direct reference to Jean-Ralphio from Parks and Rec in this, um, in general, like I think that when I'm watching it, Sonic is Sonic. It's not Ben Schwartz. And right. obviously, Tails right. gets away with it because Kalina Shaughnessy literally is Tails in the games and has been for eight years or something like that. Jesus. With Idris Elba, it just sounds like Idris Elba on like a grumpy day. Hello, like, Sonic. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what Knuckles is meant to sound like. Like, I have this sort of stereotypical Sonic voice in my head if I had to imagine what he sounds like, but I don't know what the voice of Knuckles is or 
you know, just any mm-hmm. of the other characters. Yeah, my my biggest complaint about his performance is just that whereas the others feel like like when I see their CGI character on screen, they are their voice feels linked to that character, and when I see the cartoon opening and shutting its mouth, I believe that the voice is coming out of that mouth with Knuckles. All I can see is a CG character on screen and it sounds like Idris Elba is like sat behind me <laughs> just shouting the lines. Like there's a weird disconnect I get between yeah. them. But in general, like there's good fun kind of fights between those characters because obviously there's a little bit more tone for action there. Sonic is very much a character in this film that is built around the idea of like he wants to be a superhero because everybody wants to be a superhero in 2022 um so kind of like there's a little bit of kind of like the marvel kind of like leaking into it um you get some of the kind of bigger weirder sort of like 1990s platformers moments in this one so overall i think it is a much better sonic movie than what sonic one was um Mm -hmm. still didn't like it (laughs) like it's Uh, fine like for me it's so distinctly a kids movie and a kids movie with the ambition of just being like enough to to keep the to keep kids happy like i don't think there's when i look at for example what arcane did with the idea of like creating a league of legends mm. tv show like that has ambition right to create like an interesting universe and interesting characters with good motivations you can still do that at a kids level go and watch turning red like yeah. that is that i genuinely like i'm not saying that sonic is never going to be good because inherently sonic is not capable of being it like inherently the characters just aren't possible of it i just think like it is much more interesting to set sonic in the world of sonic and have sonic being able to do things that are interesting relative to that world than the gimmick of throw them in the real world and have them interact with humans because it's there's an element of humor of being able to have these weird, like yeah. distinctly cartoony CGI characters play off against the real world. That's what I thought we'd have in this second one. Cause doesn't the, isn't the end teaser, like the end credit scene of the original Robotnik in like Sonic's world. Like I thought they'd just in, roll in, with that and go into that. Yeah. 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 Like obviously the start of this film does have him on that mushroom world because that that's kind of like the the genesis of him turning from what was essentially Jim Carrey in in the first mm-hmm. film into proper Robotnik with the mad mustache and shaved yeah, all his yeah. hair off, um, and like I would much rather have watched a, a a a film that was in on like that mushroom world that would have allowed like using mushrooms as part of like as launch pads for really cool like air like attacks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. That feels the sort of thing I want to see in a Sonic movie. Instead, like, the most ambitious stuff I get is, like, a dance-off. Because it's set with real characters. And real characters can dance. And so that's the thing that they can do against Sonic. Well, there we go. Sonic 2. (laughs) Better than Sonic 1 for Matt, but still not good. Although, do you know what? A lot of people did enjoy Sonic 1 more than you, didn't they? So maybe they'll still really... A lot of people... A lot of people, like, we gave this, like, a 7 out of 10. And and Alex, who who reviewed it for us, she liked it. Like, I'm not saying that you will not like it, but if you come in with the same, like, expectations as I do, is like, I want to see something fantastical. I want to see something that's fast and wild, like what those games are. I just, I don't know what, what the people that behind these films are thinking of by using, like, like setting it against such a mundane setting as the real world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, 
Well, there Matt we go. hates That's Earth. That's Sonic for you. Matt does hate <laughs> Earth. I do hate Earth. Get me off it. <laughs> Fire me into space. Matt, you may want to get off Earth. So could I tempt you with maybe coming with me to Tiny Tina's Wonderland? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm vaguely interested. Like, obviously, like... We had a big chat back when Borderlands 3 came out about mm. how much we didn't like Borderlands 3. But there is a fundamental good shooting involved oh, yeah. in, in Borderlands. And obviously Tina, Tiny Tina Wonderlands is very D&D influenced. I Absolutely. Love D&D. So tell me, Cardi, is so it worth? I've been playing this game by myself, which is not traditionally really how you play Borderlands. But literally, I think I'm at the point now where everyone I would play this game has gone, I'm done with Borderlands. Which is very fair. Um, I'm having a really fun time. <laughs> I'm having a really good. Of course, this is the good one, isn't it? I don't know if it is. Uh, I don't know if it's good because there are things it definitely doesn't do as well as the core Borderlands games. But I am. I'm not finding it nearly as grating, like comedic wise or tone wise, as I feel like I would. But I don't know how much of that is due to the fact that just Claptrap doesn't exist in this world. <laughs> I feel like that's a big bit of it. Um, kind of the setup for this, if you're not familiar, is it takes place in the Borderlands universe, but imagine there's Borderlands characters playing a and d style game, and you're basically playing within that. So it's kind of more fantasy-based. It I didn't realise until I started playing it, because I hadn't really paid much attention to it in preview coverage, that it is pretty much just a Borderlands game, but in a fantasy-like mm. skin. So you've still got all the mad guns, all the crazy guns. You've got spells, though, now, and abilities, which kind of overtake, you know, they've replaced the sci-fi stuff with, with fantasy spells, essentially. So I've got, like, a, a mushroom companion who can poison people. I've got, like, a flying wyvern now as a, as a, as a friend. Like, I'm just having a good time because, like you said, the core shooting and combat in those games are quite fun and the that loop of getting better gear and constantly finding new crazy weapons with like like elemental damage i've got this ridiculous like frost damage smg at the moment which although it technically is like a lower gear score than i should have at this point still is just absolutely decimating everything so i'm keeping mm-hmm. it but yeah i feel like this is is port like Borderlands we do give a fair amount of stick to, and I don't know if at times it's unfair, because I do think at the core of it, it is a very fun game. It's just often the writing and the performances are just too grating. This time, mm. despite Tiny Tina being one of the more annoying characters in the Borderlands universe, I'm not finding it too bad, despite her basically narrating half of the thing. Like, I think part of that is also because you've got people I really like, like Will Arnett and Andy Samberg involved, who are just also doing some of that vo and kind of that's taken me to a good place but I'm, i feel like i'm about halfway through it's a big game i think like i surpri- like maybe i shouldn't be surprised it's the length of the borderlands i think i expect it to be sound a bit smaller but i'm having a i'm having a really good time i don't <laughs> yeah i'm just really if, enjoying if you've not it played I- any borderlands games and I wanted to jump into Tiny Tina. Would that be mad? Oh, no. No, there's absolutely be- no... Yeah, you can jump straight into this. There's nothing you need to mm. know. Um, it's completely... There's no through line, really, anyway, in Borderlands. Does anyone really... I, I don't pay attention to the story in these games. It's not It's not what I'm there for. <laughs> but um, 
if you just want to blow loads of skeletons and zombies up and little like I don't know little lizards and things like you'll have a great time it is the loop mm. is really fun and I can't wait to get some of the legendary stuff I haven't got some of that yet because they are very like Borderlands 3 wasn't that long ago they they are very imaginative in coming up with this amount of different weaponry per game I know a lot of it's kind of generated through like lots of different permutations of like oh you can have this element of damage with this sort of gun with a grenade and stuff but there's a lot of different stuff like i'm constantly still i'm probably like 20 hours in now Mm -hmm. like still finding new stuff all the time and yeah i just i kind of i don't know i'd play it again co-op i'm just having a really fun time (laughs) and i didn't think i would be the the fantasy stuff because i must say the first time i saw it and realized oh, it's just Borderlands and it's got guns, that initially kind of, like, dampened mm-hmm. my initial excitement for it because I was hoping it would be, like, swords and crossbows and stuff like that. Mm. But, so do all the enemies have guns? Have you, are you fighting, like, a lot of them have got rocket Yeah, so launchers? there's, like, zombie gunners <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of them are melee and some of them are just, yeah, creatures that, like, run up to you and explode. But there is, there is some fantasy stuff. Like, you do have a sword, you have a melee... Um, item which can have different effects which I do use occasionally and you also there are like new gun types that do actually fire like crossbow bolts mm-hmm. and not bullets so there is that sort of thing there but it is still very much a first person shooter and in terms of how much like there is a bit of a D&D influence and like it's all fairly surface level like you find these lucky dice like these 18 sided sure. dice around and like if you find them they're kind of like loot crates if you you basically t- roll them and it'll give you anything from one to 18 and the higher the number then the more rare a gun will come out mm-hmm. of it which is quite fun um also like there's things that will just happen because it's kind of all tiny teenagers basically playing as your um what's it called dungeon, dungeon master? master basically yeah, dungeon. It, yeah. she's basically playing as that so you might be running down a hill and she's like oh and the the village is on fire and there's zombies everywhere and suddenly that just appears and you're like ah. <laughs> so like that <laughs> moments like that are quite fun i'm just yeah i'm i'm pleasantly surprised it's quite it's good mindless fun it's been good to just after a day's work or a day of being ill just kind of play that Mm. for two hours and Mm -hmm. mindlessly like there's not a lot of challenge to it maybe i'm just just remarkably good i don't know who knows (laughs) um but yeah one thing they still can't get right is boss fights because my god were borderlands 3's boss fights atrocious and in this one it's still that thing of like it's just an enemy with a slightly bigger health bar, which I'm just gonna. There's no tactics to it. I'm just gonna mm. unleash as many bullets as I can into this thing and and jump as much as I can out of the way of it. So, yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, I guess sort of like after you've done the gamut of Elden Ring's bosses, maybe you do want a boss that's just. But like you know, it's that thing of like you do want something that's a bit more relaxing that you can just throw at. But also, you've just played some of the best bosses of all time, right? So exactly. Well, yeah. There we go. Tiny Teens Wonderland. If, so if you're on the fence, maybe like me, where you know what, give it a go. It's a bit of fun. And you know what, I imagine it's a game that might go on sale at some point soon, so maybe don't rush. And, you know, it's a good co-op game to play with friends. I'm not playing it with any friends, I'm just playing it by myself. I'm still having a nice time. <laughs> but I imagine with friends, it would also be very fun. There we go. What have we got next? Next up, we've got so much to talk about this week. We're going to rattle through it, though. Matthew, you've been playing a game. I'm actually quite interested in, and I haven't got around to trying it, which is Weird West. Mm-hmm. So this is the first game from, I think they call Wolf Eye Studios, but this is 
Raphael Colantolio's studios and he used to be he was one of the co-founders of Arcane mm-hmm. he's kind of stepped away he was like kind of don't want to do the AAA thing anymore I want to get a scale back down go back to to indie so it's an indie um uh, a in- little indie studio very small team but it's still doing the things that fundamentally Arcane have always done so it is technically an immersive sim RPG it's just it's done from a top uh, down perspective so it essentially controls like a twin stick shooter but it's a twin stick shooter that has a lot of the things that you'd expect going on in in your your praise and your dishonoreds and mm-hmm. and your kind of like death loops and stuff like that it's set in as the title suggests like the old west but a weird kind of version of it this is a kind of semi-small genre that like obviously already exists like this is what um what's the hunt showdown is that kind of vibe right like the yeah. gothic old west where the supernatural going on um and basically it's made up of five individual kind of small campaigns and you play them through sequentially um the first one is uh, which is the one i'll talk about most because it's the only one i finished i'm only on the second one at the moment you play a woman called um jane uh she used to be a bounty hunter but she's kind of given up that life but you wake up one morning and your son has been murdered and your husband has been kidnapped. And so her storyline is very much about figuring out who has done this and obviously enacting justice. So you go and dig up your old gun and put your old sort of like bounty mm-hmm. hunter gear on. And like when you walk into town, like everybody's whispering like, oh my God, she's she's got the guns again. She's, she's back she's in the She's got the, the bloody guns again. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of like that first story is very much like a revenge tale. But the further you dig into it, obviously, it just gets increasingly more fucked up because it's it's the weird West. Like, not mm-hmm. everybody is just like gunslingers. Like, this one has a lot to do with uh, eating of the forbidden meats. Oh, as, as one might I say. love a cannibal tale, <laughs> me. Oh, here we go. Um, what did I watch recently? They had cannibals in. Oh, I watched something. I won't spoil it for people, though. Good. Don't let me go and spoil and stuff. Um, but yeah, so so you essentially you've got a big kind of map. It's not an open world game, but it's one of these where you open up a map, almost, I guess, a bit like Monkey Island going all the way back ooh, to the start ooh, of the podcast, ooh. where as you travel around it, it puts new locations on it. And when you visit those locations, it's just like a small kind of map. So, for example, you can visit a plantation and what you get is like the plantation house and the area around it, but nothing else. It's not like a genuine open world map. Um, And then in those places are people that you'll meet. Obviously, lots of side, I say lots of side quest givers, not a huge amount. Like it's per story. I think there are side quests that are designed to link in to the kind of story that you're experiencing to help you out. So, for example, one of the people that were on that plantation that I was previously speaking about was kind of like, I've got a letter that I want to give you to someone, but it's it's kind of got stuff that I shouldn't be speaking about. And then you can follow that storyline and it roughly runs kind of in mm-hmm. parallel, I guess, to what you're doing. Um, so it's kind of very small focus kind of scale, but with enough kind of expansiveness that you feel like, it's quite cool to be able to go into town and pick up bounties off the bounty board and know I'm going here 
and yeah. the last sighting of that person that, that, that I've, I'm doing the bounty for is here. So you can kind of coordinate your objective. It's like, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do my main objective, but while I'm here, I'm going to shoot this guy in the face. Uh, okay. And that's going <laughs> to earn me money. So this is my main question about the game is actually gameplay. So it's obviously got that arcane influence. Like, what, is it combat heavy or can you, could you get through this game with like zero combat? So I've also seen, I don't know if these are like false comparisons, some almost some like Disco Elysium comparisons at points. So my experience of it so far would be that you definitely couldn't do it without combat. Okay. Um, it can be like a lot stealthier because I haven't said so yet, but I've played just a couple hours. I didn't okay. even realize there's. I didn't even realize there's more characters to play as because yeah. I've just sort of been fucking mm-hmm. around. But I've been doing primarily stealth because you mentioned it, Matt. Where you know the map, it'll be like a small section mm-hmm. of the map. But what I didn't realize is how easy it is just to sort of scale around everywhere as long as you sort of got the right perks. You can just sort of skim around the corner of the map to try and get to where your main objective is and just do stealth kills and stuff. So that's very much in the vein of Dishonored, right? Like very much like you... you, um, And because you have a different perspective than you do in Dishonored because you're top-down, you obviously Mm. get to see where people are. Um, I actually find the stealth a little more more difficult in this than I do in Dishonored. I think because of the blink ability in Dishonored and obviously in Deathloop as well, it's much more easy to get to where you want to be able to do the stealth kills and then disappear. This obviously you don't have, or at least Jane doesn't. I don't know if future characters will be able Mm. to teleport, but certainly Jane doesn't have the ability. And you're only ability to kill in stealth is either to go up literally behind them and strangle them and and, and knock them out use your machete or some sort of melee weapon or you can attach a silencer to your rifle but the silencer is not a physical item it's an ability and so you obviously have a mana bar like you do in dishonored and so it drains the mana bar to you to make one silent shot which means that obviously unless you're constantly necking mana potions of which i don't find them that often yeah. I find silent shots are kind of like a very precise surgical thing I do to make sure I can get into somewhere knowing that at some point the shit's going to hit the fan and there's going to be a big Wild West shootout. So I'm personally finding stealth a little bit more challenging than I do in Dishonored. Mm. So I've not been able to 100% stealth an area. But I do yeah. certainly think if you were good at the game, then you could, right? <laughs> Um, so that's that how I've been trying to play just because I feel like the combat is a lot more faster than what I thought yes. it would be because mm-hmm. like when shit kicks off it really kicks off and like just when I was playing the other night someone threw a bit of TNT which then ignited a bit of oil on the floor and then around there the corner there was you know an explosive mm-hmm. barrel and sometimes there's like a lot of friendly fire from the enemies just chucking shit and stuff <laughs> and blowing up and there's so many reactions happening like I need to slow down yeah. a little bit. So the thing I do find is, so I've actually had to move. I originally started playing it on Xbox and I've moved over to PC because... I think I need to do that. I am, in general, not particularly good at twin-stick shooters. Um, and so, like, Cardi, we played a bit of The Ascent. So mm-hmm. kind of the vibe of the controls okay. is a lot like The Ascent. But you're obviously using guns from, like, the 1800s. So mm-hmm. they've only got six rounds in them and they take a long time to reload. And I found that playing it on PC, the precision of the mouse has helped me a lot and made that a little easier. But like you say, Jesse, when things kick off, it goes surprisingly fast. It's a game that's very much built around the idea of using the quick load, the quick save, and those kind of things that like 
you you do lots of experimenting and have loads of things go wrong and you just keep loading back and kind of like yeah. working out what is the coolest and most efficient way you know mm. to take things out there are abilities though to sort of slow down time and give you like a few yeah. seconds to think of what to do you get which the, is obviously very you know, appreciated we've been a lot of the the conversation this week has been about max Payne coming back right like you get the max Payne oh, bullet man. bullet time dive in this like you can jump through midair slow it down and fire your like okay. six shooter I, i'm off. sold now i was i was gonna play this game anyway but now you've just sold mm-hmm. me because bullet times yeah. are all right yeah i'm gonna like these five different campaigns can you are they like intertwining in any way or are they very much just separate so stories i can only tell you what i know based off so i've got a friend who reviewed it for rock paper shotgun so mm. he's played a lot more than me what i understand is is once you f- even though they are played in sequence you have to play jane first and then when you get to the second one that's a character who i won't spoil who they are but they're definitely more supernatural fucked up kind of mm. built than what jane is from what i understand jane is then a person in the world and i think you can okay. hire her on as cool. a companion that's cool um so there's a permanence to what you do i guess in the world and what i would assume is the actions that you take in one campaign because there's very particularly like you get to choose what sort of justice you enact at the end of jane's campaign like how you deal with these people that have kidnapped your husband and and, and killed your child yeah. and the way it kind of presents what you did at the end of her story, it like has a checklist of things that you did and what options you took. I get the feeling of like, if you taken the more kind of uh, like lax justice point and you maybe let people go, like potentially they could come up later on. I don't know. That's just what I'm inferring from the way it presented that to me. There is a thing in the game that when you have certain enemy encounters, I've found at least, the game tells you that, you know, if one person ends up escaping mm-hmm. or you allow them to leave, they can come back and be like, oh, I've got my crew with me yeah. now. So if you're traveling from point to point, they'll be like, here's where we're going to ambush you because you, you know, killed my entire mm-hmm. crew and my boss and now I'm, you know, seeking revenge. Yeah. And, and that works the opposite way around as well. Like you have a reputation system. So for example, if you kind of like find, as you're working around the map, it obviously puts these little like, places on that you're like oh i'll go and explore there and let's say you find that there's a bunch of kind of bandits that have tied up a man if you kill all the bandits then save the man he'll be like i'll remember this and then sometimes you'll be in a massive shootout and then you get like a big gold like ui element that comes up and that man will start running in from the side (laughs) of the map with like two guns just firing like wild i mean so you get those like little bits where it's like I did something and the gamers remembered it and now it's paying me back because that guy was on his horse riding by, saw I was in trouble, and now I get the help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there, is, there is one element on. I'm a bit unsure about. And in, in the game itself, and this is obviously spoilers, I guess, or I don't know whether it's spoilers or not, but the game presents that you're progressing from day one to day mm-hmm. two to day three and stuff. Time is progressing. And since your husband has been kidnapped, I'm sort of in a worried state of, I don't know if I can spend just 50 days fucking about doing anything in game Mm -hmm. and then my husband will be dead or do I need to rush through and try and save him on day three because he might have been... Yeah, I've genuinely no idea, Jesse. I do know there are certain things that are on day counters, like some missions require you to do it within the next five days and stuff like that, Mm. which gives you that... I suppose you know how like in Persona when you know that you've got to do something Mm -hmm. in a few days you have to specifically think and as you travel around the world it will tell you like... If you're going all the way to the other side of the map, it'll be like, it's going to take you three days to walk here. And so obviously yeah. when you're on on quests that require you do it very quickly, that might be like, oh, okay, either I don't do it or I pay 
the 250 gold that I've managed to to save up rather than using it for what I was originally planning to I might just buy a horse which cuts that yeah, time yeah, half. Yeah. so there's yeah. all that sort of stuff and then all the classic dishonor stuff like you were saying Jesse of if you see a stick of dynamite on a table and watch an enemy walk by it, if you shoot the dynamite, the dynamite explodes, kills the enemy. Maybe that, maybe people are obsessed now with the exploding dynamite rather than hearing where the gunshot went off. So that gives you like cover and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool moments like that. I didn't realize that I sort of had that arcane influence behind it from one of the developers. Mm-hmm. But there's even just tiny, small things. There was um, the sort of main town that you hang a hang around with um at first as you play what's her name jane is it yeah jane the first character yeah um there was just like a doctor's office there that i wanted to sort of break into because i desperately needed supplies and the game you know lets you lock pick the door you can throw some tnt and blow it up um but so far in my playthrough i was able to upgrade um some points into my jumping ability so now i can jump scale onto the roof and then there's the window there you can open the window Mm -hmm. now if i just dropped in i'd effectively be locked in unless i find a key in there but since I had rope in my inventory, I can attach that onto the roof, you know, climb down, steal all my shit and then climb back out. And then no one knows the difference. Just like, I really like that. Just all those choices and even having just some miscellaneous item like a bit of rope, which is usually just something you would sell in a game like that. Mm-hmm. You can actually use it. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's full of all of those sort of things. And like the my first kind of five hours with the game, I was just a bit like... I really like what it's going for, but I wasn't entirely sure if it was everything I kind of hoped it would be. And it wasn't like mm. uh, most arcane games I'm pulled in within the first like hour. Like I know that yeah. it's exactly what I'm looking for. This has taken me longer, partially, I think, because I don't play a lot of twin stick shooters. And I find that format quite fiddly, especially in fights that are as fast as what they can be in Weird West. But now I've got to the point where its depth is quite clear to me. Now it's yeah. like, okay, this is the game I want it to be. I just had to mold the way that I play just a little bit more in mm. its functionality. Like, I play yeah. so many first-person games that when you play something like Dishonored or, or Deathloop, it's just absolute second nature the way those games play. Yeah, I've had yeah, to yeah. teach myself more on this, and it's not it's not my ideal format for it, but I'm willing to persevere getting around that because the actual game itself is the exact mm-hmm. sort of game for yeah. me. Yeah. I'm definitely going to play it. We're kind of coming up. We had a, like a big start to the year of games. We're kind of like going into a mini drought now of new yeah. stuff until like mm. August, September really. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go back, visit all these games. Definitely going to check out Weird West. It's on Game yeah, Pass, right? Is, isn't it? mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. That's where I first tried Amazing. it out. And just because of the controls, I feel like they're not, you know, they're not like bad on console and stuff, but I feel like it definitely probably benefits on keyboard and mouse. Okay. I'm probably going to switch to that. I think Xbox just because I think I'm a bit more au fait with twin mm-hmm. six years maybe than you are, yeah. but I don't know. The, the other thing that was really nice and absolute kudos to both Wolfi and um, uh, Microsoft for this is I just installed it on Game Pass on my PC and the two and a half hour save I got on console was there. I just carried on. I didn't oh. have to start again. Shit, that's a genius idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll just get it on the Game Pass on there PC instead of just on Steam. Check out Weird West. Smart. It sounds like a potential banger. Do you know what's a definite banger, though? I'm going to quickly talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. So I was very lucky that two weeks ago, I was in the United States of America. I don't know if you've heard of that place, guys. It's on planet there. <laughs> um, and the people over there now have the ability to watch this film, everything, everywhere, all at once. doesn't it's even unfair. have a... Re- I know it is unfair, because it doesn't even... No even, like whispers of a release date in the uk so sorry uk people but 
this is me getting you hyped for a film that will hopefully come out sometime in the next few weeks or months over here. If you're in the US, though, and you're listening to this, you have no excuse not to see this film because... Is is that the new... Is her name Michelle Young Yes, film? it is. I will explain to you after I've done this cough that mm. I'll mute. Oh, God, that looked violent. It was a big cough that no one heard, trust me. I will tell you all about this film, because it is, you know, without any hyperbole, one of the best films I've seen in many years. It's fantastic. Damn. It's by Daniels, who are the two the, the two two men called Daniel, who directed Swiss Army Man, if anyone saw that, with Paul I Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. That film is so good. Film. It's very good, and this one is even better. So, what? how to talk about this film? <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, it's Michelle Yeoh, and basically she plays the owner of a laundrette in an American city. I can't remember which one it is now, because I was quite tired when I saw it, but believe me, it's fantastic. Um, so she plays a mother who basically, she's living a pretty normal life, but it's kind of like... You can tell it's kind of getting a bit too much, kind of like she's kind of there's tension with her dad, tension with her husband, tension with her daughters. It's kind of, you know, it's all building up. They're having problems with rent and stuff like that. Mm. And then one day out of nowhere, someone from another multiverse appears and basically tells her, you are the savior against this evil that is traveling through the multiverse to end all life, basically. And that is the setup for this film. And she's a very normal normal lady who's then <laughs> transformed into this and this film is just i don't want to say too much because part of it is just not knowing what's going to happen next but it's a multiverse film that probably apart from spider-verse probably the best version of a multiverse film i've seen it's kind of got elements of the matrix like it the best compliment i can give it is it felt like that feeling when you first saw the matrix Again, mm. like it's got incredible imaginative action scenes. It's got kind of, and it, the way it kind of reminds me of the Matrix is like the way they gain these fighting abilities is in bizarre ways. So, for example, like in order to get abilities from other multiverses that you're like, so say like a version of you in another multiverse was a sushi chef or something and was really good with knives, you could download their abilities by doing something just mad and unexpected in our world. So, for example, I think it's the very first one they show, is this person has to give themselves a paper cut, a deliberate paper cut in between oh. each of their fingers. <laughs> it's one of the most excruciating things I've had to watch. <laughs> but basically what that does is if you do that, it downloads that almost that multiverse data into your head and you suddenly know how to do incredible kung fu or something. So it's just... it's. And those things... It sounds really bonkers. Oh, it's so bonkers. And things get weirder and weirder. The things they have to do get weirder. The multiverses they show get weirder and weirder. If you've watched the trailer for this film, you've kind of seen a couple of them. But, like, it's just... But the weird thing is, no matter how bonkers and just funny it gets, it still manages to just have this almost, like, this emotional beats towards the end where you're just like almost in tears for the other reason <laughs> like it's it does everything i just i can't i guess you can't speak too much about it this is definitely yeah. something you just need to watch it's soon just as. like just trust me on this as soon as you can watch this film everything everywhere all at once watch it because 
It's so good. And it's like, it's by, um, it's distributed by A24, who kind of like, I feel like just have this reputation. That's almost like, you know, in the game space, when you see an Annapurna interactive game, you're like, I'm going to check that indie game out because it's going to be yeah. at the very least interesting. Like A24 have did, got that now. And did you say there's no indication of when it's, I've, being I've looked so here. many times, like there's no even like rumor, like there's release dates for other countries and UK, it just like says nothing. So like, this is the green night all over again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That was A24, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. I like, and I can't wait to watch this film again when it does come out here because it's, it's just, it's just so good. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. I do remember watching that trailer thinking I have no idea what's going on, but I do want to, mm. I do want to watch it. I'd like, and try and stay away from it if, if, if you haven't seen it yet, because it is that annoying thing of because it's out in the US and it's been out in the US for a week or two mm. now, like scene breakdowns, like spoiler pieces start to come out. So I really would. Avoid it. Not that a film, it's not a film that necessarily, if the ending was spoiled, it would ruin the film because there's so much to enjoy in it. But yeah, yeah, just like as soon as you can see this film, see it because it's so good. Like, so good. That's why I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll take a lot to beat that as film of the year for me. And I absolutely love the Batman, but this is, this is edged it, I think, just because it's so good. Right, do you know what else is just so good? So good that we have to do it every week. Oh, God, it's the Endless Search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We've got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I've got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We've got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I've got a question for you. Is it in the search? Well, we've talked about a lot of stuff this week, so we're going to keep this week's Endless Search very simple, very quick, and we're just going to play the Who Am I video game character game. It's essentially 20 questions. I'm going to pretend to be a video game character for you. I'm not going to do the voice or anything, because that will give it away, Um, and I just can't do any voice apart from this really (laughs) ill one at the moment, but basically, you're you're kind of working together on this one, really. It's not really a competition. Between you, you can take turns to ask yes or no questions, and I'll say yes or no. So you have 20 questions to work out which video game question, which video game question, which video game character am I? So there you go. Go for it. Who am I? Right, let's start then. Let's just divide you down. Are you a man or a woman? Wait, ask yes or no questions, Matt. Are you a man? (laughs) Yes. That basically only gets away like 2% of video games, doesn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. Are you bold? Am I bold? Um, uh, why did you have to ask that question? Sometimes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, some people appear in multiple games, or you can customise, or you can, you know, it's, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. Are you Sam Fisher? I am not. You went straight in with Sam Fisher. That's three questions. Mm. You've got that I'm a, a do man you, Do you primarily or, use melee weapons? I would say no. No. Oh. So is a sometimes bald person that... Do a sometimes you bald use... man who's not Sam Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> do you primarily use guns yes do you wear a suit sometimes 
I mean, don't go. He's, he's not Agent 47, is he, Jesse? Yeah, when has Agent 47 ever not been bald? I don't know. Maybe because of his disguises, is, he might have some To be fair, yeah, hair. he does wear, like, clown wigs. That's true. Uh, is your game played from the third-person perspective? It is indeed played from right. the third person. So that's seven questions. You've got a man who's sometimes bald, who's not Sam Fisher, who primarily uses guns, and sometimes wears a suit from the third-person perspective. Do you have great climbing abilities? I would say that's not something I'm renowned for. No, I'm not. Okay. You can ask stuff about my game as well. I'm Uh not going to be, you know, stingy. Is your game a platform exclusive? No, no, it is not. That's nine questions. No exclusive. Oh, coming up to the tenth. Coming up to the halfway. Ah, do you wear a bandana? <laughs> no, what? No, no, what? Okay. no, unless I'm really forgetting something. I can't remember them wearing a bandana or having the option to. Have you featured in a video game that has been released within the past four years? No. Something That's like eleven that. questions. You've got a. a <coughs> I didn't mute that cough. A sometimes bald man <laughs> that's not Sam Fisher uses guns over <laughs> melee weapons. Sometimes is in a suit from the third person perspective. Not really known for their climbing ability. Not an exclusive, and not released in the last four years. I can't remember what the tenth one was. Oh no, bandana it doesn't isn't known for wearing a bandana. <laughs> Don't know where you were going with that one, but. Um, <laughs> I had something in mind, Matt. Do you have Do you have one that you really want to go for? No, go 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 on, Jesse. You can. There's lots. Of, there's lots of ways to narrow this down. Do you primarily reside in an open world game? No. <sighs> That's twelve questions. I'll allow you 20 questions and then a guess between you at the end, by the way. The 20th question doesn't have to be a guess. I'll I'll, I'll be lenient. <sighs> Who sometimes wears... Oh, maybe maybe think of the games. Go for the games route rather than the person that might help you. Are you Max Payne? I am. Where did that come from? There we go. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he sometimes wears like yeah, a police I thought you'd narrow it down. Shit, right? I thought you'd be yeah. like, is this a... I don't know. Because he's also you he, an American. Max Payne three had no hair, <laughs> yeah, but in the others he did. <laughs> oh, there we go. You got it on the thirteenth question. Lucky for oh, some. There we go. Max Payne. I am Max Payne. <laughs> <laughs> Max Payne does not wear a bandana. So I'm. I've been really wanting to play the original two Max Paynes, and now mm-hmm. they've announced. I know those remasters probably still like two, at least two, maybe three years away. Remakes, not oh, just remakes. remakes right? Remakes. God, they're going to be good. Um, I, I'm still going to. I'm kind of hoping the PlayStation uh, Plus has the original two on there. You can get them on backwards compatible. You can, but they're still like Xbox. twelve quid each. 
They're never on sale. I've Are you saying looked. they're not worth £12 for some of the best <laughs> shooters ever made? They might be on sale right now, considering the remake look. I'll have another look. Announced. I'll have another look later, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like 12 If it was 12 quid for both of them, I'd consider it, but... Mm. I'm not twelve quid each for a game that old, man. I don't know. I don't know. I even looked at the disc copies, and they're about the same. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I've got hunger for Max Payne on Monkey Island, which is never a bad <laughs> thing. Jesse, you've got the first piece of feedback today, uh, sent in, of course, to uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. My favourite email. This is from Max Haig. I think that's how mm. you pronounce your second name. Yes, he says. <laughs> Hi, IGN crew. Long-time listener here. Really enjoyed your chat last week about your jobs, and I'd love to hear more. I work in factual TV and have had many how-the-hell-did-I-get-here moments. From working in ambulance call centers, hearing some very distressing calls, to meeting with incredibly talented individuals and working with some lovely B-list celebrities. One job springs to mind. A few years ago, I worked on a show about sex fetishes. There we go. Um, one day I got a call from an exec asking me to go to a certain porn website and screen record an advert that appears before or during these videos. <laughs> I had to keep refreshing the page until the right <laughs> advert came up and quickly press record in hope that I captured it. Should have used Shadowplay. Never thought I'd be sending my boss porn, but there you go. I was also like, on a shoot and had to set up... Shadow playing uh, porn adverts before, Jesse. It sounds like you've got experience. I'm just saying, you can use Shadowplay or OBS. They've got good, you know, sort of capture abilities when you need it. Mm, okay. The most. Okay. Just as a heads up. But he goes on to say, I was also on a shoot and had to set up Zoom calls with a Swedish man who dresses and acts like a dog. A very kinky one. I had to stay on the call with him as we were in general conversation. He would every now and then sexually growl at me. Oh. Apart from the growling, we had a lovely chat about life in Sweden. I would very much like to visit. <laughs> Apart from the I'm growling, that should now. never be a, a disclaimer to a conversation. <laughs> Apart from when he growled at me in a sexual manner. He was lovely. Oh, God. I'm an editor now and I love my job, but I forgot, I forget how many people um, my work reaches. reaches. It's easy not to realize when you're in a room by yourself editing away or chatting to the team um, how the things we do positively impact people and give some light relief or distraction from our daily lives and current world affairs. I think you all do an amazing job with the podcast. It's always the highlight of my week. I hope the things I make has the same impact your show has on myself and so many others. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Does that include the kinky swedish dog man growling. i don't know yeah i don't know maybe we should get him <laughs> on the is, that is a good point though not to get too sentimental but do you lot ever think about how many people listen to a podcast like Never. this and so i don't know no yeah no i, uh, I just i just i just think it's it's weird because I, I feel like i had that experience with podcast 500 where you know i was meeting people who listen to the podcast in person for the first time and just hearing how People really enjoy listening to the podcast and, you know, the effect that something like this can have. You never really It's always think about nice it. to bring some joy to people, isn't it? It's always nice. Mm. I hope that's what we do because uh, God knows that we sometimes not bring any useful information. <laughs> <laughs> sexual growls. Exactly. Next time on the podcast. Well, um, Matt, have you got any good sexual growls that you'd like to share? <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. Sexual cough. There we go. Oh, that's here. That's a shame. Um, I've got an email here. <laughs> from Chris Milne, who says, Hello, IGN crew, long time, third time, etc. In response to last week's feedback, I'm writing in to let you know about a game mechanic that I missed, and this is a big one. I, I listened to this last week. It is mad when you, yeah, when you think about it. I'm, I'm sure I do have some of these where you've just missed something in a game and played the whole game and just not realised you could do it, but I was trying to think of one and I just couldn't do it. But um, anyway, 
Let me do another cough quickly. This really is fantastic <laughs> podcasting. This is th- this is the first moment where I've gone, God, too many people do listen to this, Jesse, when I've been coughing all over it. Right. <laughs> Let me set the scene. This is Chris setting the scene. The year is 1998. My dad has just brought out, bought our first family computer. You know the one. CRT monitor the size of a car. Big old nondescript off-white tower that takes up all the room under the desk. I'm only 11 but I'm already a gaming veteran starting with an Amiga 1200 and graduating to a Sony Mega Drive and eventually a PlayStation. So I was excited to dip my toe into PC gaming. A fan of first-person shooters, Doom and Duke Nukem 3D, were currently blowing my mind on the PS1, so I decided to get a new game called Half-Life, as it was getting pretty positive reviews. I got the game... Played it and loved it. Not an uncommon occurrence, I'm sure, due to it being one of the best games of all time. However, the unique thing about my playthrough was that I never knew about a certain feature. Using the mouse. (laughs) Yes, I played and completed the entire game using only the keyboard. How was I to know the PlayStation at the time that didn't even have analogue sticks and the modern... and the modern way we play console FPSs would not come into existence until time splitters on the PS2. For me, anyway. So yes, there I was, battling through Black Mesa, circle strafing like I was playing Doom, and get this, I wasn't even moving with WASDA or W-A-S-D. I was using the arrow keys. That's what they're for, right? (laughs) But this meant that my left hand was all the way over on the right-hand side of the keyboard, so I had to map all the shooting and (laughs) jumping onto the number pad, so my hands were all crushed onto 20% of the keyboard. And I was That's fucking mad. I was furiously bashing away at keys like a courtroom stenographer. <laughs> now that I think about it, that is really less of a game mechanic and more of an essential piece of the control system. I guess it's the modern, modern equivalent of those overzealous guys who complete Dark Souls with a rock band drum set. Respect the scene. <laughs> that is, that is mad. How do you manage to do that? Like, can, is there even an option to turn using keys? Yeah, yeah. So, when- so, um, this is not me in the same boat as Chris, but when I started playing PC games, I was not very good at using the mouse and the keyboard at the same time. So I okay. remember playing Medal of Honor Allied Assault purely with WASD would be to move, but then I'd use the arrow keys to aim. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did something similar. And oh, and mad. it was, I could, like, this is a real core memory of my childhood. Max Payne is the game that taught me how to use a mouse because you couldn't map any right. other keys for moving around um for aiming to anything other than the mouse so if i wanted to play max Payne, i had to learn how to use the use the mouse and obviously yeah. max Payne is one of the best games ever made i wasn't missing out mm. on that so that trained I, me how to use the mouse. I, I, I feel like in your instance though you knew that you could use the mouse oh, yeah. but you're yeah. like i'm a bit more comfortable this is like how did you never accidentally brush the mouse and see the know. screen yeah. <laughs> it's just mad <laughs> who knows but good story chris rita appreciate that matt what have you got this one is from travis bodich who says dear ign uk crew very long time listener since episode one seldom writer your feedback last week had listeners had a listener's brother not knowing that leon could run in resident evil 4 and it reminded me of my own story a couple of years ago i recently divorced i met a lovely woman who actually liked video gaming but knew nothing about video games as she never read any guides or games media 
She had skills though, doggedly getting through oh doggedly getting through Dark Souls, Dishonored, God of War, and The Last of Us. Typically nice. she'd breeze past tutorials and exposition in a way that gave me vertigo <laughs> when watching her play, but she'd succeed regardless without cheating, i.e. she actually understood the game. Um she had nothing to play she had nothing to play, so she asked for recommendations. I'd enjoyed the latest Sam Fisher outing in Blacklist. Very typical stuff, but she likes stealth and killing. She beat the game, unwitnessed by me, and was attempting a second run on the hardest difficulty. This time she was struggling and asked if if I could try beating a particular level. I picked up the controller, and when I entered the obligatory dark warehouse baddie hideout, I turned on Sam Fisher's iconic night vision goggles. <laughs> How did you do that? she asked. Where did you get the night vision goggles? It was at this point that I realised that I'd underestimated her gaming skills. She'd played an entire Splinter Cell game with a practically black screen, relying on sound, repetition, and contextual button prompts, all in a virtual pitch black. She'd that's that's incredible. Yeah. She'd beaten the whole game, and it was only a blind hard mode that proved too much. I know I've committed similar faux pas, not knowing about upgrades or how to throw a grenade, but rarely the key mechanic of the game. Love listening every week and always waiting for the next episode. Respect the sea and the sea will respect you. That, that is, is genuinely like an astonishing thing to do. She must be some sort of demigod or something because that's just mad. That's like, yeah, like, because that's a dark game. Like, that's particularly that's... by the time you get to Blacklist, because kind of like, I think the first Splinter Cell like has enough light in the areas because it's mm. not... At that point, it's not like the iconic goggles, right? By the time you get to Blacklist, it is literally dropping you mm. into completely pitch black rooms because it knows that you're going to use the goggles. Like, that is one hell of a... Like, to be able to say that you did an entire Splinter Cell game without ever using night vision is something yeah. to brag about on our slash games. But it's, it's confusing yeah. me, so I don't know if it's either incredibly impressive or incredibly silly. I don't... Like, it's both, really. I mean, I just... Yeah. It'll be like playing Dishonored without ever jumping. It's like, it. I can't like, picture yeah. a scenario where that occurs. It's bizarre to me, but do you know what? Fair play. I, I do kind of respect it. Um, if you've got any more emails, send them to, of course, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. We love more of those stories, more of uh, not the mechanics in games, and do you know what? Um, actually, no, I was going to ask about more... Uh, kinky dog growling and that's not us we don't want any more of that actually thank you um tell us why you love smarties but we'll get no emails jesse <laughs> <We'll> get- <laughs> we will get no emails um if someone has a uh. great argument as to why smarties are the best uk chocolate please do write in <laughs> i can't promise you will not be uh read out and laughed at frankly um <laughs> what should we have for music um i mean should we have the Monkey Island theme just as a celebration of yes. its return to culture? Absolutely. There we go. Culture. We've managed to get through this, guys. Um, pro- this probably sound. This must be the most awful sounding experience. I apologize. Three ill gentlemen but- try and stumble their way through fucking. Yeah. What have we done? An hour and a half of podcasting. Yeah. The options were limited, and you know everyone's ill. You know, it's Sorry. what it is. But you know. Enjoy the Monkey Island theme. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.